This episode of the Braving Business Podcast is sponsored by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit, and I've been in the domestic and international logistics space for over 30 years. If you need any assistance with transportation or logistics, my team and I will jump at the chance to help. Whether it be parcel shipments, e-commerce, pallets and freight, full truckload, international air and ocean, imports, exports, warehousing and distribution, or really anything under the logistics umbrella, we got you covered. For more details, please go to shipwithpj.com. That's shipwithpj.com. Reach out to me there. Mention you found me on this podcast for a special surprise. And one last quick thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please stay on after the show to learn more about the Braving Business Podcast and other great episodes for you to discover. And now, let's get the show started. Hi, this is Taz Latnitsky, the host of the Braving Business Podcast. You are about to listen to the last episode of season one. If you've followed us this season, you know that the season began with an interview of myself by my co-host and executive producer, PJ Benoit. And we are ending the season with me interviewing PJ in an interview that I'm sure you'll find extremely compelling and interesting and fun. If you have missed any episodes, the next four weeks, which is our hiatus, would be a great time to catch up. And we will be back with new episodes the first week of January. So once again, thank you so much for listening to us during the course of the season. We appreciate it more than we could possibly tell you. And we look forward to bringing you many, many more wonderful episodes in the season and seasons to come. Enjoy the show. My friend, PJ Benoit, how are you, sir? Woo! Hello. How are you, buddy? I, I am well. It was a, uh, was a nice weekend. I, uh, I spent it with, uh, with uh, beloved people, um, including my daughter and grandchildren, and it was, uh, it was lovely. Aw, that's... How about you? So sweet. Um, let's yeah. see. I, you know what? To be honest, really laid back weekend. And uh, yeah. definitely needed definitely need a lot yeah, of balls in we need those. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it's all about I'm all about the uh looking after yourself and and doing the reset, you know, and if you can't do it every weekend, at least try to do it as, you know, as often as possible cuz it's good for your mental health, you know. It sure is. It sure is. Well, you know, I start most of my days, weekends included, uh with a meditation. I I get up, I drink a tall glass of water, ice water, something I read once. Mm. apparently helps yep. and uh and then i meditate um you know sometimes only 10 minutes other days 20 25 um and it sets my day off you know the right way it just gives me peace of peace and presence and um you know so that's how i uh i deal with my need to you know feel settled yeah um no. do you have a routine that you follow to you know what what's your what's your way of Finding your center. Um, finding my center. Let's see. I wake up. I rush kids around if needed. And then um, I drink the equivalent of a pot of coffee. And then, mm. um, <laughs> you know, get at it. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I have tried meditation before. I think it is a fantastic tool to use. And uh, I, you're reminding me I should do that more, more often for sure. Well, you know, you should do something. I, there's no should, by the way. As someone that I, uh, I once knew would say, you know, you you shouldn't should all over yourself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, choose uh, to do things that you know um, 
give you peace. And, you know, some people enjoy exercising, walking, uh, meditation is one of many ways. Um, I find it useful and impactful. And, uh, let's, uh, let's introduce our guest today. He's, uh, he's, he's a wonderful guest. Um, it's actually you, you are our guest today, TJ. How does it feel to be uh, on the other side of the mic? Terrifying. You, you did that to me, so I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to do it to you. That's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be terrified. Uh, you're in good hands. Uh, so let me introduce my colleague and, uh, frankly, much more importantly, my friend, uh, Peter John Benoit, uh, who's been through it all. Uh, and uh, that's evidenced by the nicknames uh, that he has. Of course, PJ, which all of you are familiar with, but... And now this is according to him, for the record. I just want to be clear that everything I'm about to say next is according to the man. Okay, <laughs> He's also known as Stud, Dude, Badass, Lemming, and DJ Saucy Loins. That's all very true. Um, of course, I, I also think of you as Ed McMahon. Of course. Um, although as a Chicagoan, I'd bet you'd probably much rather be another McMahon, which would be uh, Bears legend Jim McMahon. Yeah. Without the pencil on the eye. Yeah, that would without been Without the been pencil nice. on the eye with less. I mean, although you'd look really good with dark glasses. Remember, he always would have That's dark true. shades on he did. Jim McMahon. And, and the that, was his, that was his signature move. With That's right. The headband. I forgot the headband. Um, PJ has been at the bottom of companies all the way to the top from the smallest startups to some of the largest corporations globally. He's been ensconced, the word that I love, ensconced in domestic and international transportation and logistics his entire career. He's been involved in many entrepreneurial adventures, some, of course, related to his transportation logistics background, others not. Um, He has done some really neat things, which we'll talk about, including launching his own custom-made denim company, MeJeans that at a tight was selling millions of dollars in jeans per year. Um, he's currently running a Unishippers franchise. Um, you are all familiar with it. It's www.shipwithpj.com, mm-hmm. our, our key sponsor. Um, he's run social media for the largest MMA organization in the Midwest. That sounds interesting. Yeah. He's been a radio DJ, advice columnist, podcast creator, producer, and host. He even appeared on Shark Tank where he tragically bombed. Yes. Trust me, we'll be talking about that, PJ. Um, (laughs) He is also an award-winning, competitive barbecue team member. I am. Nice. Not to mention co-host of this awesome podcast. Um, Above all else, his greatest accomplishment has been his excellent children and his incredible home life with his truly rock star romance rom-com author wife, Kara Tanamachi, also known as Kara Lockwood. Yep. Uh, and his only unshakable goal growing up was to be the greatest dad he could be to his children. And although he tells me he has never been perfect, and seriously, PJ, who the hell has been? Um, you've done your best, and you continue to do your best every single day. So, PJ, I'm so glad to turn the mic on you and have you share your incredible, interesting, and funny story and your wisdom with the Braving Business audience today. So welcome to our, as in your and my podcast. Oh, thank you so much, sir. Where's my applause button? I, I know I have one here somewhere. You really should have. We should. We need sound effects. I, I, you know, I At one point, you had told me we would have sound effects and we haven't had sound effects. I think we need them. What is this one? Uh, crickets. Yeah, I have that one. <laughs> you have crickets? All right. <laughs> I well, do crickets, have crickets. Crickets it is. Maybe we can make that a little bit more uh, uh, engaging yeah. uh, our sound effect as we go. But I, I uh, have applause. I, I don't remember which button it is. You do? Yes. Oh, okay. But well, don't press you. random buttons. You never know. You know, we don't want any any uh, uh, inappropriate sound. That's so um, true. 
Yeah, PJ. So you you've been involved in uh, in a number of entrepreneurial ventures. Obviously, transportation logistics, custom made denim. You even made teriyaki sauce. Yep. Um, your family has a significant, rich entrepreneurial background, especially your great grandfather, uh, later your father. Uh, can you t- tell us their stories and also how did these stories and experiences inspire you towards entrepreneurship? Um. Wow. Yeah. My my mom and my dad both were. Uh, entrepreneurs in their own right. Um, dad, a little bit more so in the, in the full American dream kind of, you know, building a, a company from the ground up and having it go global and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so it's been, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to have the sense within myself that anything is possible. Right. That if you, if you really work at it and you really want to go after it, then just go after it and then let the chips lay where they fall. Because if you don't try, then you'll never, you'll never succeed. Right. So, um, yeah, my, my great grandfather developed a sealant in my great, great grandmother's bathtub up in, uh, Sheepshead Bay, New York back at the turn of the century. And in 1909, um, my, was it accidental or did he intentionally do it? You know, I think it was intentional. Um, the, cause he was a chemist and so, uh, he was just working in the bathtub and he created a, a seal for bikes where, where the, uh, the tire would fit to the rim, but you know, cause obviously bikes were big back in those days. Um, and so they launched a company called Permatex back in 1909 and Permatex then grew to be a, a, a global chemical and automotive, um, uh, company in its later years. So it was really, really, really kind of cool. My, my dad inherited the company when he was 26, um, never went to college. Uh, he just got a company, God bless him. And, um, he, he really was instrumental in helping it, uh, propel to where it was before it sold to Loctite corporation in 1972. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And how did that inspire you? How, how did, how did having a grandfather or great grandfather with that, uh, that type of track record and a father who inherited a company and then grew it into a, a multinational corporation, how did that inspire you? Well, that there's, there's a high standard to hold, right? <laughs> like that's a, that's, you know, when you have someone in your family, that's that, um, successful, uh, what are you going to do? Right. Either, either you're going to, you're going to try to rise to the challenge and do better or you're going to do better in your own right in some other direction, or you're just going to, you know, not accept the challenge. I, I tend to accept challenges. So um, for me, it was more about what, what did I want to get out of life? <clears throat> Excuse me. What did I want to get out of life that was important to me? And, you know, I saw that my father really sacrificed everything for the company. Um and that means time with his kids, time with his wife, the whole deal. How'd you feel about? How'd you feel about that? I mean, as you look at it now, I mean, sure. Do you, do you look at that with admiration, or criticism? What? No, no. That that's what made me be. That's what made me want to be a great father, right? So when I grew up, I was like, I don't care what job I do, I can do anything. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to be a great dad. And there is, there is, you know, of course, there's something admirable about that. Also, it's really short sighted. Because it's very easy to have a child, but to be a great dad is a whole other issue. And so when my daughter was born for the first time, I remember looking at her like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my life's goals are complete. Now what? 
mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So uh, it became like now it, it focused from off of me. You know, I just want to be a great dad, try to, try to, you know, be the best dad that I can. That's still going. But then it turned to what can I do to make sure that I provide the best that I can for these kids? And at the time, I wasn't in an entrepreneurial uh, avenue at that point I was working for FedEx, um, and doing very, very well at that. But then I started thinking about, well, I need to branch out. I need to do other things. The life that I want to afford for my children are not going to be done through working for a large corporation. It, it might at the end of the day, but I'm going to have to sacrifice just like my dad sacrificed. So how can I, how can I create something that allows me to be there for my kids, watch them grow up and provide them at least a, a somewhat stable and um, enjoyable life. And so that's, that's kind of let, how it went. Let's dive into, I mean, I think the topic of uh, being a child of successful people um, is something that, that merits a, a deeper look. Sure. Um, you know, my own father was an entrepreneur. So I grew up uh, in, in a setting with entrepreneurial spirit. He had some great successes. He had some 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 great failures. Um, my son has shared with me that you know, uh, being being my son uh, can feel daunting. Yeah. Um, t- talk to me about you know, a- a- as you were thinking. I mean, especially as a younger person, and 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 as I'm thinking about, it, I'm thinking about it in the context of maybe people in the audience who are the children of successful people. Sure. What advice would would you give them? I mean, what what would what did you do, and maybe what would you have done differently now with the the reflection of of wisdom and age? What as you think about it now, what 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 do you think you got right, and what do you think you got wrong? Oh, you always get stuff wrong, right? That's that's the that's the science behind it. You, you're always going to get things wrong, and you're going to get some some things right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you want to build upon that. For me, um, being the child of someone who is successful really just meant that I knew it was possible, and that I could see I had an example there. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't have that in their own communities or, or in their own households where they can say, oh, this person's a a great success. There's a whole other topic about how you measure success. So that's, that's another thing. But for me, it was more about, I just had that foundational knowledge and understanding that, you know what, if you wanted to do something, you can do it. Now it's just up to me to have the temetry to go do that. And whether, whether it's, whether it's a, a blue jean company or whether it's a radio show or whether it's a teriyaki sauce or whatever you want to do, you just, you really need to do it because the success of someone else in your life, whether they're related to you or not related to you at the end of the day means nothing if you don't do it yourself. And so to me, I was just like, all right, it's great to have that. And, and if, if you are the the child of someone who's successful. Awesome. Is it great to have it or does it feel like more pressure? I mean, you know, you're talking, I want to, I want to make you stop what I think you're doing right now, which is giving me the 30,000 foot view of it. Dig deeper. Okay. Um, as you're building your life and you're, you're, you've got a father who accomplished big things and a great grandfather who accomplished big things. Is there pressure in that? I mean, and where did you feel it? Where did that pressure come into play in your life? The only pressure that I felt because if so, all right. So my dad was very successful, but for me personally, he was a terrible dad, right? Cause mm-hmm. just wasn't mm-hmm. there. So that for me, there was a lot of, of familial 
angst that went on with that. Mm -hmm. So that drove me to say, yeah, he's successful. I'm going to be successful in my own right, but I'm not him. He certainly isn't me. He doesn't know me. So I'm going to do whatever I can to be as successful as possible to my own standards, right? He, he did a lot of amazing things. He was a pilot in World War II. He, he created a, an international sailfish shipping or sailfish fishing competition. He's done, uh, he did amazing things. Very, his, his resume was impeccable, but that's not my resume, right? So mm -hmm. my resume mm -hmm. is one that I need to build myself and, and to really kind of sit back, take in what is, uh, important to me, what I want to accomplish and then devise my own goals and go after them. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, I think in essence, what I'm hearing you say is regardless of your origin story, um, make it your own story. Absolutely. Uh, it's frankly the advice I gave my son who is incredible, uh, and, and going to accomplish amazing things in his life, but ultimately has nothing to do with me. I mean, the journey that, that he's watched me have, Sounds like, you know, much like you, he could take some things uh, from that journey, good and bad, yeah. and uh, factor them into whatever choices he makes. But ultimately, our journey is our journey. And, and the, the only person we should seek to measure up to is ourselves and our own view of what is right and best. And that sounds like very much your your way of thinking about it. Yeah, a thousand percent. Because really, if you, you're, you're, is your father still around? Yes, he is. All right. So Hi, Dad. <clears throat> He's a big fan of yours, by the way. He thinks our voices sound very similar. He, I, he can never tell which of us is speaking, which is, you know, but well, um, he's a big fan of yeah, yours. I can, I can give him a, a hint. First of all, you're not the one coughing. And secondly, um, you're the smarter one. So anything that's said oh, that's dumb, on. that's me, and, and you're the smart guy. Um, that is most that's certainly the moral not and hearty of this whole relationship, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Late Night Show host. Wait, which one of them was the skinny one? Was it Laurel or Hardy? I don't, uh, Laurel. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? The first guest to send us an, an email and answer that question will win a braving business t-shirt. There you go. So there send go. us an email. You could do it through our website, www.bravingbusiness.com and let us know which one was the thin one. Uh, and you will win a t-shirt. Yeah, if someone's going to um, do a Google search and say, this is the easiest t-shirt I ever got. I, it's okay. That's all right. <laughs> but anyway, so so back to your wonderful dad. Yeah. If yeah. if you went to your dad and said, hey, are you disappointed in me that I didn't follow in your footsteps? Exactly. That I am not you where you were at my age. I am willing to bet pretty much everything your dad would uh, disagree with you and say, no, I'm not disappointed in you at all. You are who you are. I'm so proud to take a step back and watch you grow into the man that you've become into the adult that you've become. Um, and so that pressure, like my, my dad's my dad, right? He's going to be, he's going to be to, to some, he's going to be well loved to others, loved not as much. And so, you know, it's a whole game of Thrones things, right? Like there is no black and white. Everyone's kind of gray. Everyone's got some great stuff going on. Everyone's got some not so great stuff going on. You have to make your own mark. And you just have to be yourself. My son all the time is like, oh, dad, you know, he, he, he lays superlatives on me all the time, which is wonderful. And it's great. And I'll, I'll give Deservedly him. Deservedly like, so. I'll give him like an hour to stop it. But at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, you don't understand. You are an amazing kid. If I, if I was as cool as you are now, when I was your age, my God, 
I could be doing anything, right? So I, I think that a lot of times we have a little a little cap that we put on ourselves because we're like, ooh, my my parent is is so great. My parent gave me such a great um such a great goal to to go after. But at the end of the day, it's really our own journey that's gonna be the most important thing. And if your parent loves you, which I'm sure your dad does and I love my son, you I don't want my son doing what I did. I want him to be something better and something happier that he's with. And at the end of the day, that's, well, you know what? I mean, what I want for my son, my two daughters, my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law, uh, all of whom I love dearly is for them to be the best version of themselves and pursue whatever dreams they have professionally and personally. Um, that's what I want for them. It, you know, I, I don't look for my son to, or any of my children to, to measure up to anything other than their own standards for a life well lived. That's all I want for them. Uh, and I, I think that that's, uh, why you and I have, you know, have bonded so much. Um, you know, I was a guest on your podcast, uh, what the parent, um, and you know, we, we, we share a lot of the same values and I think that's why, uh, that's why we become good friends. Let's, let's pivot your, your linkage is not just about entrepreneurship. Um, there's also other kinds of experiences that, that, that I would say, especially given the times, were quite daring. Uh, you shared in the pre-interview notes that your mom was a model and she featured in magazines, including Playboy. Mm -hmm. uh, how did your mother's journey impact uh, your approach to life and business? I mean, she's obviously a, a woman of courage. I mean, say what you will to do what she did at that point, uh, you know, that era uh, does take some courage. It, it does. So uh, let me, let me preface this. She was in Playboy with all her clothes on. So, oh, okay. Well, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a little bit different. So it's, it's fun to say my mom was in playboy, but don't get creepy. Right. That's my mom. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, she was, she was a beautiful woman, obviously. Right. She's, she was born in Hawaii. Um, you know, uh, half Chinese part, uh, Portuguese and French. Right. So she's just a very, she was just beautiful and both inside and out. And, um, with her, what mom actually really showed me was like, when I was growing up, you know, I was born and raised in, in Palm Beach, right? So the proverbial, like, really, you know, great spot to grow up as, as a, uh, in regards to like, great community and having it safe and everyone very, very, very well off. Great. That was wonderful. But also my mom was from Hawaii. And she was, um, she was from a family of nine. She was the youngest. Her family was so poor that she grew up in an orphanage down the street, right? So I had this yin and a yang, going back to my Chinese roots, I had this yin and a yang of, yeah, I could see what, what people can attain in society from a monetary standpoint. And then also mom would always take me back to her home and show me what it was like to be human and what it was like to kind of, kind of grow up from literally having nothing to where she was at that time. And so she had a lot of courage, you know, extremely strong uh, person. She was as, as lovely as the day is long, um, had the biggest heart in the world. But uh, at the end of the day, what her experiences taught her was that you just got to keep grinding, right? You just got to keep going. And so she was, she was uh, when she was growing up and she, she went to high school, she married her, high school sweetheart, very abusive marriage, unfortunately. And so she went through a lot. She's on the cover of magazines, but yet, you know, she's getting, she's getting beat up at home. And so it's a, 
it was a terrible time for her. Um, but she really showed me that you have to, you have to persevere through everything and you have to keep your, you, you can't, you can't get knocked down. Like a, you, you will get knocked down, but you got to get up. And when you get up, don't dwell on being knocked down. You have to keep moving forward. And so she really showed me from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like she gets in a playboy. She didn't know what playboy was, right? This was like early sixties playboy was around for like two years, three years when they did an expose on the girls of Hawaii. So she was in a bunch of different modeling things. So when she got approached and like, Hey, do you want to be in playboy? She's like, sure. And they took her to the Royal Hawaiian and, and she's eating a papaya in a, in a Chinese gown, right? Never asked her to take off her clothes. So she had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea what the, hmm. what the magazine was all about. And then when the magazine came out, she brought it home. She never opened it, brought it home, put it on the, on the kitchen table. She was like, oh, yeah, I was in this one as well. Huge shame in the family, right? Because you're like, mm. what is this? Um, but, you know, she, she took all those with a, with a laugh and a wink and, and moved on. And I think that... Uh, did, did you feel, I mean, when you were growing up, uh, what, what, at what age did you learn about this? And, and did you feel shame about it? Oh, God, no. I never felt shame about it. I didn't feel shame about it because my mom owned it. Right. And I, I think mm -hmm. that when you own, mm -hmm. when you have accountability and you own whatever you do, well, then it gives you a, a tremendous sense of freedom. So yeah, mom, uh, I knew about it from way before I knew what Playboy was, right. I would hear about it. Mm. Um, cause back in Palm beach, she was, she was unique, right. She was Asian. She was beautiful. Um, there was just, there wasn't really anyone around that was like her. And so she drew a lot of attention and, um, and so I was just kind of used to that. I was like, okay, this is, this is my mom. <laughs> that's, that's how she is. Yeah. I, I want to clarify. Was, was your father, her second husband? Yes. Or he wasn't, he was yes. not the man who was. Who no, was thank her. you. Sorry. I just wanted to, to make thank sure you. the director thank stated you. that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, second, of course. Second. Yeah. All right. Um, so, you know, you, you, you talked about the highs and the lows and your mother mm. teaching you the importance of getting up when you get knocked down. And, and, you know, obviously every entrepreneur, uh, at least any entrepreneur that's, in the arena for uh, more than a minute, um, experiences highs and lows, and and I know you had a very painful moment with with me jeans. Um, you know, ultimately the business failed. Yep. I, I want to do something in this episode that we haven't done yet, which is actually dwell on the moment of failure. And I know that that might be a little painful. I know this is a painful thing for you. Where's my wisdom? But what I want, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> do you have a, do you have any uh, do you have any Kleenex near you? <laughs> no, just in case. I'm all right. Okay. Uh, you can use your shirt. Thanks. Um, but what I want to talk about is the moment where you realized that failure was inevitable. It was unavoidable. You'd, you'd done everything you can. This business is failing. Talk to us about coming out of that. What, what, what was the process of emerging out of that dark moment? Whew. Why you got to do this to me, dude? It's too early in the morning for this. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't have to go no, there. I just no, think no, it'd, no, be, no, no. it'd be, be extremely helpful to the audience because sure. this is what we're about. I mean, it's yeah. about coming out of these really low lows. All right. So let's let's get into me jeans. Um, Custom-made blue jean company I thought about because my boss, when I was at FedEx, made a comment on casual day saying – you know, I'm going to buy you an ass for Christmas. That's what he said. And I responded, A, it's weird that you're looking at my ass. B, 
It's not, <laughs> it's like B, it's not the genes, right? Just because it looks saggy. It's not the genes or it's not me. It's the genes, right? And so I was like, oh my God, I, I must, I must have some weird body type. I must, I must be an anomaly out there. And so I started looking into, um, you know, just different different types of genes. How does this fit a different type, type of body and blah, 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 blah. And then I, I noticed that there were some custom made blue jeans, uh, sites out there, but they all sucked. And I was like, Oh, well shit, I can do that. Right. I can, I can figure this out. I can market, I can market something better than that. And so that started a three year journey of me delving very deeply into the denim making process. And I found, you know, I'm, I talked to the largest textile manufacturer in Latin America, went down there, had a, got a meeting with the president, sat there and convinced him that even though his factory made 50,000 pairs of jeans a day for all the top brands that you can imagine and globally that hold up, I want you to make one for me. And then I want you to make another one completely different, right? We're, we're not just creating one pattern and stamping out, thousands on this. I just, I just need you to do one. <clears throat> and, uh, that was a very interesting conversation, <laughs> but that's what started me jeans. And then I was like, all right, now I got, I got to build a website. I got to do all this stuff. So it went really well. Um, when it launched October 21st of 2005, um, it was fantastic. I knew I had something because we kind of touched on this before. Um, you got to do your market research. My market research was walking around asking people, how do you like those jeans? What do you like about them? What, how do they fit you? What would you change if you, if, if there was something you could change, what would you change? Right. And then the high concept. Well, if I can make you a pair of jeans that look exactly the way that you want them to look and fit you the way that they're supposed to fit, would you buy that? And how much is it worth to you? And right. So I, these are the questions I would ask. And I was traveling all over really the globe for FedEx at the time. And, you know, I'm on planes, so I'm, I, I have a captive audience of the poor person who's sitting next to me. So I'm just going to bug him the whole flight or her the whole flight and just talk about jeans and, and, and get that, get the, the taste of what the demand is out there. And so I went ahead and, and built this, built this company, uh, launched it, like I said, in 2005, all online. So it was a completely custom pair of jeans. Like there is you know, 21 different fabric choices, you know, uh, five different zipper options, uh, 10 different stitch collar options. Like the whole, like it was absolutely as bespoke as you possibly can make them. And uh, it launched. Um, I had, when it launched, I had 300 orders in hand that of people that I had talked to who wanted it. I was never able to provide a sample of it. Uh, because they're custom made blue jeans, right? I didn't even have denim swaths at the point at that time, but launched it, fulfilled those 300 orders. Word started getting out by February of 2006. It was in the gift bags of the American music awards. It was in the gift bags of the radio music awards. It was uh wall street journal did a thing on it. It was in the Sacramento Bee, the Honolulu advertiser, um, the LA times wrote about it. Um, the independent on Sunday in the UK wrote about it. It was on the today show it was on the early morning show on CBS. Like everything was like cranking. And I went from, I went from like one order a day, let's just say to over 80 orders a day at a 77% profit margin. 
and it was fantastic. I built a, I built a, uh, uh, a little play, playground on my kid's school. I gave gobs of money to the American Red Cross because I wanted to build something that was all about giving back. And, and, you know, I always had this dream about if you could make a lot of money and help people at the same time, then you, you've, you've sold, you, you've solved the, the Gordian knot, right? Like that's, that's an amazing thing. And so I gave a lot to charity and I, I did a lot of stuff that was awesome. And then <clears throat> even though I'm in supply chain, been in supply chain my entire career, I know everything about supply chain. I've forgotten more about supply chain than, you know, a lot of people know. I can't control supply chain completely. And so, and what I mean by that is I had thought of every possible nuance about shipping, about manufacturing, uh, order fulfillment, the whole deal. I thought all this out, mapped it all out with, you know, as, as much intricacy and detail as I could, but I didn't account for the World Trade Organization making vast global <laughs> economic moves that would affect me, but was completely out of my purview. And so I was two weeks from retiring from FedEx. I wrote my resignation letter. I was ready to, to go. And uh, the WTO changed its quotas and visas for denim out of India, China, and Pakistan. So what they did was they just did away with quotas. So on an, from an importing standpoint, just really quick, from an importing standpoint, the U.S. government has quotas on on certain goods. I don't even know what the goods are anymore, but they used to have much stricter quotas. Some get let up, some are, are placed or in place. Those quotas are to are designed to protect U.S. manufacturing. So in order to protect U.S. manufacturing on denim, because there, there were denim manufacturers here in the U.S., there was a quota. You can't bring in, you can only bring in an X amount per year. Well, when the WTO did away with quotas, the factory down in Mexico, who was making jeans for all of these great, great brands, that factory was charging probably six bucks for a pair of jeans. In China, it's a dollar. So overnight, all of those, all of those brands pulled all of their volume, sent it to China, and overnight, my factory lost a third of its workforce. So now all of a sudden, it's not a, it's not a selling marketing or uh, demand problem anymore. Now it's a completely it's a, a supply problem because I have thousands of orders and no way to fulfill them, right? So it was an absolute nightmare. Just, <laughs> it was just the worst. And I'm sure that your first reaction to that nightmare was to, as most entrepreneurs in that setting, you have a business, you're, you're trying to save it. Yep. Uh, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're trying this, you're trying that. At the point that you reached an understanding and, you know, maybe making, whether you made your peace with it or you were floundered all the way to the last second, the point that you realized this thing's not going to work out. Yeah. How did you handle that moment? And, and how did you come out of that moment? So that was a year later when I realized I went to one factory, sent them tens of thousands of dollars to get their lines up to have the manufacturing start. They made three pairs of jeans. I never heard from them again. Had to go to another factory, found a person that I hired, paid in cash down in Mexico, a lot of money to be me down there. And that person uh, <laughs> didn't follow up with the factory and then didn't let me know that the factory didn't know how to make the jeans. And so 
she just kept getting her money. Factory wasn't fulfilling orders. It was a terrible thing. So at that point, I was like, I just got to close it down. It was very, it was very difficult for me because I was so incredibly wrapped up in this, right? I was the company. So it was, it was a terrible, terrible blow to my psyche, to my pocketbook, right? Cause I had to refund everyone their money, um, which was fine. But I mean, it was, it was, it was painful. It was painful, right? It's a huge defeat as big and it was public. It was very public. So it, for me, right. Other people are like who, but for me it was public. And so it was, uh, it was very, very hard to go through. And I, I remember I was talking to a psychiatrist because I was like, I need some help processing this. And, um, it took, it took me a long no time. No shame in that whatsoever, by no, the way. It's, none, it's, it's, it's none. what you should do. If, if you, if you're feeling emotional pain or any kind of yeah. unsettlement, uh, get help. I no, mean, absolutely. What if you, you had a sprained foot? <laughs> exactly. And so I, I went to her and I was talking to her about various things. I had, I had a lot of stuff blowing up in my life at that time. And, um, she was like, look, you know, you have to look at it as a, there are victories here, right? You got to cut yourself some slack. And I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, I failed, right? Like I failed, I failed. There's no, I can't, there's no other way for me to say that. You know, I didn't know about the WTO, but then again, that's on me, right? Should I, I, I actually disagree. I mean, I, I hear you, you didn't fail. The business failed. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I think that that's that mindset of you failed. No, you, you didn't fail. You, you built a great business. Circumstances changed. The business ended up failing. You were successful for having done what you did and deserve the credit for at the moment of the business failing. You could have done what bad actors do, which is disappear with your customers' money, but you took the step of making sure your customers who could not be serviced yeah. uh, received their money back, which is something that you deserve a lot of credit for. So did she help you see that at some point? Do you see it now at least? <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah, kind of. It's still, it's, it's still painful, right? Because of that's course. the, yeah. it's, it's the brass ring, right? I knew it. I had it. I was like, oh, this is mine. It's my idea. It's kicking ass. It's taking names. I am unstoppable. I mean, I had all kinds of stuff going on with it, you know, working with different universities and I had a lot going on and it was, it was awesome. I also learned side note, uh, that even though this was a great idea of mine and I was the first one to market, as soon as I put it out there, someone else came out with the exact same idea. I had me jeans. Mm -hmm. They put out you jeans. I'm like, Oh, you, <laughs> yeah. You well, you know, you're going to get copycats. I mean, I think yeah, that, you know, the reality of it is that there are all, always either copycats or other people that are bright and have good ideas. Um, and um, it's about execution ultimately, or at least most yeah. of the time, you still need some luck. And ideally, the other side is not significantly better resourced than you. Let, let's talk about you. You mentioned, uh, you know, the the factory that that mm. made three pairs and disappeared. You mentioned uh, the colleague in Mexico that uh, ended up disappointing you. Uh, and in in the uh, pre interview, you talked about just the challenges of being backstabbed, failed promises, relying on others. Um, and I'm sure that stung a lot. I, I've been oh, yeah. in those moments. I've, I've had these things happen in my career. I've had people that I uh, felt were very, very close allies, in some cases, friends, and then turned out uh, that they were not. Yep. Um, talk to me about 
just again, braving that storm, the storm of realizing, you know what? I trust the people they've let me down. Yeah. Uh, at, at the end of the day, it's, you just got to cut bait, right? Like I take full accountability for all of my actions, uh, whether they're good or bad, but at the end of the day, I, I can't dwell on that. Was I pissed? I was unbelievably upset and hurt and crippled financially as well as emotionally by, by the whole, by the whole thing. But I couldn't also just dwell on that because I have a family to feed, right? I, I pulled out all the money out of my house to fund this, this idea. And now at this time, the market, the housing market is taking a tumble. Now I'm way underwater on my house because I did this, right? Like there's repercussions that I was living for a long time. And so you, you get by it by just focusing on that next step and saying, all right, okay, this all sucks. I can have a pity party for, you know, I, I give myself a day or an hour, whatever it is. And then you have to move on. Life goes on. Life hasn't stopped. I still got mouths to feed. I still have children to educate. I still have, you know, friends to be there for and, and allow my friends to be there for me and, and all that. So you just kind of, you kind of refocus and get back towards the grind, whatever that grind is. I didn't do anything entrepreneurial for a while because yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to, I mean, I I've shared, obviously in the first episode of this podcast, I shared, uh, some of my stories, including yeah. uh, a, a terrible setback, um, frankly, fairly late in my career. It cost me a lot of money. Um, and probably impacted me in many of the same ways that, uh, I think me genes impacted you, uh, uh, in terms of feeling a sense of great failure and shame and it's public. Um, and, and, and I would, you know, I, I don't want to rush through and I don't want to get to just, you know, at the end of the day, because at the end of the day is the easy part, right? When you reach the end of the day, then sure. Then, then having that reflection of, well, at the end of the day, it's about X, Y, and Z. Sure. Sure. The challenging part and the part that I want to help people through with braving business is the part before the end of the day. Mm. And and I can speak about that part openly. I can say that, you know, I I, I was uh clinically depressed yeah. uh and needed medication. Uh I was very fortunate to have uh support. Uh I wasn't as uh willing to share my feelings at the early first of all I, I don't know that i even fully understood them i think i was in shock um but at the point that even i think i started to recognize what had happened to me i still wasn't ready to share my feelings it took some time um in hindsight now it's been several years um i i know i lucked into taking some uh good steps whether it was starting the journal which has been really helpful uh again meditation um changing some circumstance in my life. But that period, that period of time, it's dark. Yeah. And 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 you're not sure that you're going to see the other side of the tunnel. I mean, you 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 believe you will and if you have obligations and certainly children, you know you have to. Yeah. Um those moments, you know, what were they like for you? I mean, how, you're getting up in the morning, the business has failed. Um, like you said, you're underwater on your mortgage. Um, you know, you feel shamed and exposed. How do you get through the day? I mean, what's, what was the, you know, the day by day strategy that got you through from one day to the next? I mentioned whiskey, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. So 
it it's realizing that the the situation is greater than you right that how do i say that it's like you just have to keep going you can't lie in your bed and curl up and cry i mean you can if you wanted to for Get, allow yourself that right you have and to by the way there's no shame in that there you is no shame in that. That. for for a for a period for you, a period you may need to do exactly that correct and that's correct. okay and there is you're you're a thousand percent right there is no shame in that but at some point you have to keep going because the world keeps moving right and so you have to you just have to get up and do it right did i still want that you know in my mind i was checked out of fedex i'm like see you guys later right like thanks for all the awards it's awesome but I want to move on and having to go back, even though I didn't turn in my, my resignation letter, knowing that I wasn't going to be doing that anytime soon, that was a lot to, to kind of deal with, but you have to, you have to realize that you have, other, you have no other choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to fall over and die? No, I can't do that. I got too many people relying on me. Do I, do I wallow in this a little bit? Sure. Right. Again, pity party, have it, uh, invite all your friends, deal with it, but life still goes on. I still have, I still have things I need to accomplish. So I would just try to then, Hey, let me, first of all, let me make sure that I am, (laughs) I'm as good as gold on, on my FedEx side of things that I'm, I'm, you know, my, the job that I have, thank God, the, the job that I had at the time, I could, I could still be very productive at and, and, um, continue building the great book of business that I had. And, and, um, eventually actually after that is when I started winning all of my awards. So it gave me a little bit of purpose, you know, dive back into work kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, eventually you get to understand, all right, that was, that was an amazing experience. Don't know how great it was. It was hard to go through, but I'm glad I did it. If that makes any sense. Right. No, it makes complete sense. I mean, look, at the end of the day, if we are to step to the end, we are the product of our experiences. That may sound cliched, but again, as we've said on this podcast before, cliches are cliches for a reason. There's a degree mm. of truth to it. Yeah. When you get to the other side, you're wiser. Uh, you may not be wealthier, uh, <laughs> maybe quite to the contrary, yep. but you are wiser. And I'll tell you one thing, you know, then I, I will freely share and then I hope would be helpful to people is that I learned that our minds ruminate, which, you know, again, we all know that, right? Our minds are sure. uh, almost like a chicken coop that's been hit by a baseball club, right? There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, feathers flying around and a lot of sounds. Um, but it, if, if you're able to recognize uh, that you're you're ruminating, you're, you, the thoughts are just coming at you, and, and they may be thoughts about shame, they may be thoughts about guilt, they may be thoughts about anger, I learned that being able to recognize the emotion, to identify the feeling and say, I am feeling anger, mm-hmm. okay? To, to just give it that word and then to do a couple things. One, realize it's just the feeling. It's just the feeling. Yeah, It's going to pass, yeah. okay? So that's step one. And step two, don't try to fight it. Don't Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to excuse it. Feel it. Actually, you know, the, the best advice I ever got was when you get to that point where you at least recognize what emotion you're feeling, feel it. Yeah. Allow yourself to feel it. 
essentially tell yourself, I'm going to be feeling anger right now. And the incredible thing is if you do that, it doesn't take very long. It takes 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. You you feel a little lighter. I, I don't know how that happens, but I can tell you, I still use that uh, repeatedly. I, I I I used it this weekend, right? There were there were there were some things going on on the on the global stage uh, that 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 caused me to have to really dig deep, yeah. right? And and yeah. I and I reached uh, I reached for that, uh, and you know I'm choosing not to not to discuss uh, those yep. things on the podcast because that's just not relevant to the podcast. But to those of you who know me, you know I'm Israeli, and uh, you know uh, some some things happen in my country that that are quite painful. Yes. Um, but ultimately, I think being able to name an emotion or name a feeling, feeling it and letting it pass through you, essentially letting your the energy of it pass through you, was extremely helpful to me in some very dark moments. And it would be, you know, I, I didn't know I didn't know it from the go, right? It wasn't I didn't know this skill when I was just going through the earlier stages of uh, dealing with the fallout of, of, of failure. I learned it later. Uh, when I learned it, it 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 turbocharged my ability to recover and move forward. Yeah. Um, and and that's why I want to share it because I think that that's that's uh, that's something that is I found very impactful. Uh, that that I'd urge people to consider. Yeah. Uh, is being able to recognize it's just a feeling. The feeling is X. Don't try to modify it. Don't try to fight it. Don't just feel it. Um. Let, let's pivot. Let's talk about your Shark Tank experience. Uh, I'd love to hear about it, first of all. I, I know it didn't quite go as hoped. I don't believe it ever aired, right? You, you did an episode. Nope. Um, it didn't quite work out. Tell us about the experience, first of all. Um, you know, and and if was there any, did you learn anything from that experience? Uh, oh, yeah. Or was it just something you can look back at now and laugh at a little bit? Uh, no, no, no. Don't laugh at that at all. Um, <laughs> it's, it was, it was a, it was a, a tumultuous time in, in my life. Um, that was seven years after I had closed down me jeans. Um, my friends had told me for a long time, oh, you know, you should, you should be on Shark Tank. You should, you should do that. Right. You're great in front of people, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, I didn't like Shark Tank cause there were just like, a bunch of bad ideas getting money and that kind of pissed me off because I was like, I actually had a really good thing. So, uh, seven years forward, my, I'm going to sleep and I just happen to have the evening news on and they say, Oh, by the way, cause I'm, I'm in Chicago. They say, by the way, tomorrow at the shed aquarium, shark tank interview start at seven o'clock in the morning. I was like, Oh, okay. So I didn't have, I, you know, no preparation. I went down, woke up at four or something, got down to Shed Aquarium at five, stood in line for seven hours to give a one-minute pitch. And so, you know, I'm there. I'm, I'm writing it out on my phone because I don't know, you know, I just don't know what, what I'm up against. I, I, again, I never watched the show, so... I'm not exactly sure at that point. I never watched the show. So I was like, all right, I'm going to write up this thing. There are people that bring in, you know, examples of what their products are. They got fans, they got people with, with, you know, holding up signs and all this other kind of stuff. And me just schlepping in. So, um, I knew that you had a minute to give your pitch. 
Um, after I was talking to producer for five minutes, I knew that there was something, there was something there. Um, they tell you that, Hey, we're going to reach out to you within the next three weeks. If you don't hear from us after three weeks, you know, thank you for your time, but, but you're not selected. Um, I heard from them in three days and they were like, Hey, we want you to want you to make a video. All right. So, you know, talking about your, your product, my kids were really young at that time. So I made a video of them holding a press conference and me answering questions from my kids, which is adorable. And you know, it, it worked. Right. So they're like, great. You're on, you're on that year was really bad for me. I was, uh, <laughs> that was the beginning of my divorce. That was my mom passing away. Suddenly, um, I had lost my job. So there was like a lot of things going on all at once during that time. So to go on shark tank, shark tank was like my, it was like my, my life buoy, right? I knew I could grab onto that because I had already proven this business concept. I had already proven that it was going to do really, really well. Um, all I needed, well, actually I didn't really need, well, a, the, the funding would have been great because I didn't have the funding to do it anymore, but also B, um, their, the, the cachet of having these people involved would have been amazing just to get the word out. Cause I had, I had accomplished all of what I did just on guerrilla marketing. Right. So then I'm like, Holy crap, if I can have a budget to actually market this, Oh, I would, I would do great. So, uh, it was, it was hard. What, what I learned from that is TV is for TV. Um, they're not there to help businesses. You know, they're there to make a show. They're not there to actually, uh, you know, prop up businesses for the long term. Can that happen? Yes. But at the end of the day, they're an entertainment company. And so that's what they're trying to do. And so uh, the takeaways from that were, um, you know, you, you got to go for it. If you have the opportunity, you got to go for it, right? I didn't really want to go through the whole me jeans thing again, but I was like, you know what, though? I could. I could do it. I, I know how to do it. Technology has progressed now that it will allow me to avoid the bottlenecks that I knew of in the manufacturing process. So this is all good. It's great timing. Let's just go ahead and do it. Um, but you know, it, it taught me that it taught me that, uh, a, again, you have to be accountable kind of what, what you were talking about. You have to own it. You have to be in the moment, but also it, it taught me to really stand up for myself in a way. Um, because, you know, afterwards, it, I won't go through the whole story because it's a long story, but I, I failed miserably. I just bombed out. It was terrible. It was terrible. And so afterwards, when you get back to your, when you, when you bomb, I, I only know my experience, but when you bomb as terribly as I did, there was a psychiatrist in <laughs> the, uh, the trailer when I got in back what, to can you, in what way did you bomb? I mean, what, what, just, what does that mean? Did you I forget you, your do, lines? Did you, yeah, freeze? you know, what? so, so that was the thing, right? I've, I've been in sales my whole life. So when I know a pitch, I I'm, I'm just going on autopilot. And then normally my ADHD kicks in and I'm thinking about, Oh, well, you know, wow. Well, uh, uh, Mark Cuban's taller than I thought and whatever, right? Like I'm just thinking and and I mentioned early in my pitch that I'm from Chicago and Lori Grenier, Griner, I always forget how to say her name. She's like, yay, Chicago. Cause I, I think she has ties to Chicago. And I was like, yay, Chicago. And then as soon as I said that, I lost my pitch. I was like, I forgot, but they don't, there's no, 
hey, can we pause? Can can I start again? Right? You just have to go. And so then I started talking about it, but I'm not on my pitch anymore. And so in my head, I'm like, am I talking about genes? Is, is this making sense? Right? Like I'm just all the self-doubt comes in. And then I find the second part of my pitch and I'm on my heels, but then they started asking a whole bunch of questions. And I was so confident that I was going to do well. I never thought about someone saying no, as as dumb and naive as that is. It wasn't even in my in my atmosphere because I had I was trending towards three and a half million in sales, working part-time, a fat guy in his underwear, you know, creating this company, only one person, no overhead. How can you know at a 77% profit margin? Who wouldn't want in on that? And so when I got my first no, I was like, what? <laughs> like I was just, I was not prepared. I think that was the other thing that taught me. Like, be prepared. Um, and so, like, and then, you know, I got uh Cuban was very kind. He was very nice. Uh, Mr. Wonderful was not wonderful. And uh uh, said some pretty hurtful things. And so when I left, uh, and, and the guy that, that I really wanted was Damon. And when he said no, his, his statement was that, um, the reasons why he was saying no was, was like, you know, low, uh, sorry, lots of overhead and, and lots of inventory carrying and all that other kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, clearly you didn't hear anything I said because there is no overhead, but at that point he already said no. So now I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. So it was just, it was a lot to deal with. So when I got back to the trailer, there was a person there. Clearly I must've been frustrated or downtrodden or shell shocked, probably all three. Um, there was a person there and she was like, wow, you know, that's, that was, that was rough. And I was like, I would really appreciate if you don't show that really. Mm. And she was like, um, she's like, oh, don't worry. You know, uh, it, was, it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, well, I just don't want my kids to see how terribly I just failed. And mm -hmm. uh, she said, oh, no, no, don't, don't, you know, things aren't that bad. Like you, you, you beat out, uh, what did she say? You beat out 40,000 people to be here. I was like, oh, great. I beat out 40,000 people to make an ass of myself in front of 17 million. Woohoo! Yay for me! And she said, "She said, well, things aren't really that bad." And then I, I just, it, I went into it like, "Well, I just lost my mom. I uh, lost my my career. My marriage is falling apart. I just saw my dreams fall apart. So, uh, what do you got?" And I, that was rock bottom for me, right? That that was the lowest day of my life. And when I walked out from there, and, and I and I went to the hotel to take my flight home, that. I, I've never felt that alone and I'd never felt that unsure of what tomorrow would bring because everything was wrapped in that room because of my divorce and da, da, da. that was my, like I said, my buoy, right? So when all that happened, I, I, I went to the hotel and I was just like, I, I've never felt so adrift. I've never felt this terrible before closing my company was was bad that was terrible that was on me and i felt terrible about it this was somehow much worse and um you know you just wake up and you're like all right i don't know what's coming down the pike and it's probably gonna hurt 
or it might not. There might be, there's going to be some great times ahead. There's going to be some really shitty times ahead. I just have to roll the punches and I just have to move forward. And so that's, that's kind of how I did. Yeah. I, uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you for sharing, uh, all that with me and with the audience. I think, uh, I think there are a lot of people that will uh, benefit from, from your candor and, uh, and relate, uh, whether it's a uh, failed business or failed marriage or, uh, just a, the, the challenges of life. It's not easy to be human, um, no matter what journey you're on. And, uh, and everyone, this is one reason why I strive to be as kind as I can all the time, uh, which is that you don't, just don't know what journey people are on. Yeah, You don't know where they are in that journey. Um, and uh, life can be really, really challenging. And, and in those moments, it does feel very lonely. And it is hard to see um you know the light at the end of the tunnel proverbially and yet and you are the embodiment of that as am i as are practically all of us the bad days do pass yeah and uh you know the lowest of the low days give way to slightly better days or give days way to slightly better days and so on and so forth until one day you realize hey you know what i'm okay um, and, uh, you know, regardless of whether it's because of a setback professionally or setback personally, um, if you're happening, if, you know, if you're listening and you're, 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 you're on, on the painful side of, uh, of this uh, pendulum, yeah. um, I, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could first, I, I, I send you a hug yeah. and my affection. Uh, and, uh, second, I would say to you, you know what? This too shall pass. Um, you will look back at this from the other side, as PJ does, as I do. And you'll realize that, you know what? I needed to go through that journey to get to where I am now. PJ, you've since met and married an incredible woman. Oh, yeah. Your life is better than it was yes. in every imaginable way. Pretty much, yes. When you were getting back to that hotel, feeling so adrift, could you have ever imagined the life that you have now? No, no. And that's the, the thing that, uh, tomorrow's another day allows you to close the chapter on whatever terrible, horrible day you just went through. Right. And so I think that recognizing that, that you went through something and then hoping that there's going to be something better on the, on the other side. And it doesn't have to be the next day, right? Cause the next day wasn't all that great either, but you just got to keep plotting forward and you're right. You just don't know what's, what's coming ahead. I am, I am now living a life, uh, that, you know, I am more fulfilled and, and happier and at peace than I've ever been. And, um, I, you know, when this was happening, uh, 10 over 10 years ago, I could not have imagined that. And so this is, uh, you're right. You're right. I, it's, it's a, it's a blessing for sure. Yeah. Well, let's pivot. Let's, uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, managed to probably, uh, sell some Kleenex, uh, <laughs> over the last uh, 30 minutes. Uh, let's talk about humor, uh, for yes, a bit. so you're, you're a, you're a hilarious guy. Um, <laughs> you know, the audience has had a chance to appreciate that. I'm sure if they've listened to uh, some of our past episodes, uh, but I have to ask you, 
DJ Saucy Loins? <laughs> the hell is that from? What's the story behind that nickname? Uh, um, well, it's just me being irreverent. So I'm, and I am a part of an award-winning barbecue team. Um, we are known as Diabolical Pig Barbecue, and we all started uh, when we. This is all just neighborhood dads that got together. I by far am the worst cook on this crew by far, but I do bring a lot of utensils and I supply the music and, uh, I, I drink better than any of them. So there's, you know, there are things that I contribute. Um, but we all had to come up with names. Like we were all going to name ourselves things. And, uh, I just, I just loved saucy loins. And then I was like, I just want to be known as saucy loins. But then I figured DJ in the front of it sounded even better. So, I'm DJ Saucy Loins. I love that. What kind of music does DJ Saucy Loins play? Uh, really, mostly I would listen to, well, I listen to everything, right? Anything from, from jazz and R&B to metal. But uh, I think Tool. Tool's probably my favorite, my favorite hmm. band. <laughs> I would not have seen that. Um, PJ, I want to tell you, uh, you know, uh, as, as we wind down, um, you know, the impact you've had on my life um you know i met you when when i was uh starting up a company that ended up not being successful and um at the time i was riding high and and had a lot of high hopes raised money from some incredible people sure really believed in the product uh you and your wife were generous enough to have me on the podcast and and you were very kind and you and i have stayed in contact and you've encouraged me uh to consider podcasting and and i ultimately dove in um and kicking and, ass uh, by the way you're doing great well, thank you. Know. We we both are. This podcast, uh, to those of you that don't know, uh, is rated in the top 3% globally, uh, which we're incredibly proud of out of 3.2 million podcasts, according to Listen Notes. Yeah. Um, and um, that is wonderful. But, you know, in truth, the experience of working with you uh, and seeing the person that you are um, is deeply inspiring to me, just as a human being, as a professional, as a dad, as a husband. You are incredible. Well, thank and you. And I want you to, I want to say that to you. Um, you know, we, we, we usually have you asking the last question, mm. um, which is, you know, given that resilience is the common thread uh, that, that, that brings together braiding business. If you had to give a budding entrepreneur or someone that's considering entrepreneurship, one piece of advice rooted in your own experiences to help them re remain resilient uh, as they face adversity, what would it be? <sighs> yeah, I thought about this one a lot. Um, and then of course I forgot it all. You have, um, you made me think though a lot about certain things during this, this episode, which I really appreciate. I, I think one of the things is, um, just be human, right? Be the, if you, if you strive to be the best human you can be every day, then I don't see how anything could be a total failure, right? Like as long as you're, as long as you're out there and you're striving and you're, and you just treat people well, and it doesn't matter who they are. Cause it, that was the thing that I, I had learned. You just treat everyone the same. Everyone's the same. We all take showers the same. We all put on our socks the same. It doesn't matter. So I don't wash my feet. I, I'll admit that. So I don't know that we all take showers the same. I just let water drip and soap and then that's it. There are certain things that I really want to know about you. And then there's certain things I don't. Uh, 
Um, Where would that fall? Which category? <laughs> no, never mind. Let's do the latter. Anyway, so, um, but at the end of the day, you just try to try to be the best person that you are, right? I have, I, I think if I was going to tell uh, entrepreneurs, just just go, right? Just the last thing the last thing you ever want to do is live with regret, and the last thing you ever want to do is, gosh, I wish I did that. Luckily, I don't have to say that. I've I have tried things, and I have been backslapped and burned and <laughs> backstabbed and all kinds of stuff. I've gone through. I've gone. Did through, you say backslapped or back, backstabbed? I, I said both. Actually, I, I saw oh, okay. the I saw right. the slap, and then I saw the stab. Whatever. Mm. It's like a ninja move. Anyway, um, I you know I've been through those experiences, but if I didn't try them, then that's always just going to be some kind of nagging mystery that's hanging out there. So just go for it. If you case in point, my, my gorgeous wife, uh, we were at a book conference and there was some, some, you know, everyone fawns over all over everyone, right? She had people coming up saying, Oh my gosh, I love your work. Uh, fellow authors. And she had people that she really admired. And she was like, I, I can't go up there. I'm like, are you kidding me? Go like they're right there. They're a human being. Just go for it. Just just stand up, go, because that's the only opportunity you have. So if you have an opportunity, if you have something in your hand that you're like, you know what? I truly believe this is my next step. This is my dream to fulfill. This is the thing that I want to do. Then work at it and don't be dissuaded because I got a lot of naysayers. There's always naysayers. Some are people really close to you and some are people you never heard of. There's always going to be naysayers. You just got to go. If you have the conviction within you, do it and just take that step and and work it and work out all the kinks. And if it's successful, it's all on you. And if it's if it's not, it's all on you, but you tried. And that's, I think, the most important thing uh, people need to keep in mind. PJ, that was, uh, that was as, as always, um, both wise and uh, entertaining, particularly with the backstabbing and backslapping. <laughs> um, I, I want to thank you for that. I, I want to thank you for this interview. We, we received a lot of requests from people that uh, that listened to the first episode uh, who wanted to also hear your story. So I'm glad we're, we're getting oh. to do that. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to decide. Maybe this will be the bookend to season one. Maybe this Ooh, will be the last episode gosh. of season one. We'll have to think about that. Uh, but but I also want to thank our audience, uh, oh you know, gosh, for yes. for making us a top three percent global podcast. It's an incredible privilege. We are so so deeply humbled and appreciate uh, all the support we're getting. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it uh, wherever you're listening, wherever you're streaming. Um, it it helps us tremendously when when our episodes are rated uh, to uh, encourage other people to uh, to to take a look and take a listen. Follow us on social media. We have a Facebook group. We have a LinkedIn group. Uh, of course, our website, www.bravingbusiness.com, where you can subscribe to our blog. Yep. Um, we are truly grateful. And um, uh, Peter, John, until we meet again. Uh, <laughs> Tal, thank you for your friendship, buddy. Thank you for inviting me on this incredible journey. To anyone who is hearing my terrible voice, thank you for being a part of this and really making us part of your day. It's It's been an incredible honor, and it's been a, a fantastic journey, and just love it. So thank you. And that's a wrap, folks. Like what you heard and want to support the show? Please follow our page on LinkedIn and Facebook. Visit us on YouTube. And please like and rate us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. You can also see exclusive content, 
subscribe for free to our weekly blog, support our sponsors, and soon buy our merchandise at www.bravingbusiness.com. Thanks for being a part of our production, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast. You just finished listening to the last episode of season one. Once again, we are so grateful for your listenership and your friendship. Thank you to all of you who have sent us notes through www.bravingbusiness.com. And we look forward to bringing you wonderful new episodes in season two, which begins the first week of January. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy your holiday season.